Hello and welcome to Far From Fear, the podcast that explores the intersection of cancer and thought wellness. I'm your host, Jen Farr. Thanks for joining me on this journey. On today's episode, I'm welcoming Kat to reveal her cancer journey, which began just days before she was to move with her family from the UK to Canada. I am here with a good friend of mine, Kat, and we're going to chat about her cancer journey. So, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Jen. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just like totally make this organic. It flows really, really yeah. easily once we just don't think we're being recorded. That's Absolutely. the biggest thing. So, yeah, so I sent you a couple questions, and as I said, it's just really just how you feel you want to reveal your story. That's that's the biggest thing. That's that's what I, I love about this is just... Yeah that opportunity so Jen as you know we arrived in Canada in October 2016 an epic journey first time for us to take a decision to emigrate and to choose somewhere that actually I had never lived before at that point Gary and I were both 46 going on 47 and the twins were seven so lots of excitement lots of trepidation but underlying all of that was like this is a chance to try something new and see how we enjoy it. Before arriving, I had had issues with my health, but sadly, towards the end of my journey in the UK and the end of my journey with having had treatment at the local hospital, which just to essentially let you know, was seven years of going through IVF treatments. I finally had Erin and Kieran, but then my periods did not return. I left it six months, I left it a year, and then I went back to see the hospital. After five years of six monthly appointments, my periods returned. All seemed good. I was actually offered a biopsy at that stage, and everything was fine. Within the year, my periods had turned to being really quite erratic and heavy. So I went back again. And at that point, it was around April 2016, I was offered a coil. A coil was put in. It probably did the job for about a month or two. And then I went into the summer. Part of me regrets what I did because I sort of ignored the symptoms. I was bleeding through the coil. It was becoming heavier um, to the point that probably July to August. And at this point, we knew that we had temporary residency to come and live in Ottawa. I then took the decision to take it further with my local doctor. She tried and tried many, many, many times to get me a scan at back at the hospital that I had been having my IVF treatment where I had been under a consultant. Mm -hmm. And sadly, because I'd been discharged thinking that the coil was going to do its job, I was sort of off the radar. So ironically, after many, many, many years, I just felt completely like I was floundering. Anyway, I took myself for about two weeks. Every other day, I would just go to the drop-in centre to the point that I said, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. Now, the um, coil, just so listeners yes. understand, because it, it might not be the same term, but uh, is it like an IUD? It or? is. Okay. It is. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah. essentially, it was going to yeah. more or less stop the bleeding right. to the point that I shouldn't have been experiencing anything. Mm-hmm. But because I was breaking through that and then getting to a point where wow. I personally felt like I was hemorrhaging, it became really concerning mm-hmm. to the point that I couldn't stem the blood flow at times. Oh my gosh, yeah. So my doctor finally just called the hospital and said, I'm sending her in today. 
she's actually leaving for Canada in about 10 days. Yeah, oh my gosh, that must have just been so... <laughs> I, so I, but I was still, like, wow. really positive about it. Honestly, yeah. I was still well, like, good. okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm suffering, I was weak, I obviously yeah. was anemic. Um, yeah. So I went and got this scan. Um, the scan results took a few days to come through, and I, I remember specifically, we were flying out on Monday the 3rd of October, and I got the scan results the Thursday before. And the scan results were not good. Mm -hmm. And my doctor said, I don't know how to advise you because without taking you in and investigating further, please don't Google. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah. And actually, I actually didn't. Good for you. I didn't. I I was not very good at listening to that. No, I didn't Google because I thought, yeah, it's going to bring up a whole host of Of things. Of course it does. Yes, exactly. and we spoke to Gary's company that was bringing us over. Right. We spoke to them mm-hmm. on the Friday morning and explained that we didn't know what was going on with me health-wise. Mm-hmm. So just to understand at that point, our home was rented. Right. The tenants were moving in right. on the weekend. Yeah. The kids were finishing school on the Friday. Yeah. Our flights were booked. Yeah. Our home was on in a big container and on the sea. Talk and about having to trust something I know, I know. <laughs> bigger and, than you. And so we had to come. We had yeah. to come over. Yeah. We did. Yeah. So we flew out. Within a few weeks, the kids were quite settled at school. Gary was settled back in the job. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll go and find a doctor. And yeah. I didn't realise actually how difficult that is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to let you know that in the UK, if you learn live in a certain area and there's a, a, a surgery there, you are entitled to see a doctor. I went to a drop-in centre, but it was a weird situation because at that point I just saw the one doctor that I probably should have seen because he knew the consultant well that he wanted to send me to because he had treated his wife for cancer. And his wife was British, and I still know her. Yes. So, so everything was lining up for you, absolutely. even though you didn't have a clue of what was, no, what to do or no. what was going on. So he got wow. me seen pretty quickly um, yep. by my consultant, who also loved the fact that he was seeing me because he had actually done two years at the same hospital in Liverpool. He was amazing. He uh, took a biopsy. Yep. The biopsy was taken, I think, on the Monday. Mm-hmm. This is probably about four or five weeks after arriving. On the Wednesday... I missed a call. I came back from being out. I, I picked up my voicemail. Uh, and my heart just sank because I thought, well, this is just a few days afterwards and they're asking me specifically to call. Yeah. So I called and there and then was told that I had cancer, endometrial cancer. I think for a moment I just had a complete breakdown. Of course. I honestly just, my whole world just fell apart. I just didn't know how to process that news because honestly, in my mind, having not Googled, having not looked at it, I just thought, what's Mm. the likelihood? Yeah. And I thought, life can't be so cruel to be moved your family, literally no no one apart from a few neighbours and obviously Gary's work friends and colleagues. So I just ingested it for that short time. And it was around 11 o'clock on the Wednesday and um, Gary was working upstairs and I couldn't share. 
Ironically, on that Wednesday, I was going to go to yoga at a friend, three doors down, and I thought, I'll go. I've got to do something. Right. I can't just stew on this. So I walked down the road, my friend opened the door, and I immediately just broke down. I'd met Andrew a few times, and she just said, it's okay. It's okay. I, I know everyone. I was like, what do you mean, you know everyone? And suddenly I realised through all of this fear feeling lonely obviously what do I do mm -hmm. there was someone just saying it's okay I'm here for you I actually didn't do any yoga <laughs> I sat at the back with right. my, my other friends I'd met I met a lady at the top of the road as well and there were two other ladies there and I, I just lay it out because I just thought I'm just I can I'm just focus on the breathing be part of the group um felt exactly what you needed at that time right I didn't now. want to be alone anyway yeah. I came home I met the kids off the bus, like if I would always. Yeah. And I just had to stay up. I, I was still, obviously, you're reeling. I couldn't say anything to the seven-year-old twins. What am I going to say to them? Mm. Then, weirdly, I made dinner. We all sat to dinner. I think at that point, Gary had come down from his office. And he starts speaking about his day. So the kids by then had gone off, put the TV on. And he was chat, chat, chat about his day. And I was like... He still doesn't know. I, right. I had this news at like 11 o'clock. Oh my gosh, yeah. I honestly, I just went, Gary, I've got cancer. Yeah, wow. Oh my God. I honestly just stopped him in his tracks. He's like, there I am just talking about my day. And I'm like, well, what else would you do, you know? Yeah. And he's like, and you're acting all so normal. I went, I can't do anything else but act normal. I said, but you got to know now. It, it, it was just horrible traumatic moment for us both like honestly he just came round. he just held me we were crying together obviously the kids are like what's wrong I'm like, it's okay you know i just poked myself in the <laughs> oh, eye oh my god yeah um, yeah but he was there for me you know a hundred percent and to the point that honestly i i didn't even realize at that point because you have this sort of selfish moment as a as a cancer victim to say it's all about me mm. that you don't emotionally check in with your partner and gary's always been so strong and through our ivf treatments i was always the emotional one i mean he did he he was emotional but i was the one that constantly needed comforting and so he realized it was just his part to play here what what am i facing here fear was a massive part of our journey especially in those early days, because until we actually saw the cancer consultant, we didn't have... It's the unknowns, right? It's, we didn't have a clue. Yeah. We didn't have a clue at what yeah. stage I was. We didn't have yeah. a clue as to what this cancer was. We didn't We didn't know anything. And, and then you don't wait for a long time, but you do wait. I mean, they can't miraculously see you the next day. But, right. But honestly, we were seen quickly. We were. Yeah. And at that point... Again, with my friend down the road, I was given one cancer surgeon and I told her about the cancer surgeon and she said, she's great. She's actually like the head of the department and I'm like, amazing. And within about a week, it had been changed and I then really feared who I was going to see and I, I went and knocked on Andrea's door and she was like, oh my God, the lead nurse is like my best friend. And I'm like, oh my goodness, would you... And she was like, consider it done. She Amazing. just reached out and she said, you've just got to know this patient is like six weeks. So we saw him quite quickly. He diagnosed a grade one, steadily developing into a, a grade two. He said, 
the prognosis is that when you had that coil fitted in April, that was the cancer. That okay. was the start. It's a slow growing cancer. So then I had a lot of anger mm-hmm. because it was like, while I went back to the hospital, why didn't they just do another biopsy? Why didn't they just check out? You know, why did they leave me for months suffering? And so mm-hmm. from fear and emotional crying was this sort of, anyway, he's like, what are we going to do? What? And I said, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. He said, you're not covered by OHIP. You won't be covered by OHIP for three months. I cannot do this surgery for you. Wow. He said, and I don't want you to wait because once we wait, October, November, December, you're going to be talking mid-January. He said, by then, slow growing cancer. It'll be a fast growing cancer and you're going right. to be in your latter stages. <sighs> Honestly, we were just dumbfounded. So yeah. I think... We came home from that appointment. We both started pulling down suitcases and we were mm. like two frantic people literally throwing things into suitcase. I was on the verge of calling an international company to to transport us back. And I was like, stop, this is madness. We, we can't do this. I right. said, Gary, you've got to reach out to your company. And again, they were just outstanding. They essentially changed the policy to allow me to go through this full cancer surgery in time that we weren't going to be looking at it being aggressive so you know what can i say we were treated amazingly well on all fronts whether it was by friends that we just found ourselves on the right street in the right part of ottawa Sitting in the in a village to me, Stittsville, mm-hmm. coming from Liverpool, thinking, "What am I doing here? It's right. beautiful." But to then finding ourselves surrounded by support and love by people that yep. didn't know us, yeah. And I think that the company obviously felt, I don't know, a certain responsibility towards us. Clearly, they did. Well, yes, I'm glad that they did. Yeah, I mean that goes to show the character of that amazing organization. Yes. Honestly, we can. I remember you know, it well. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like the culture of that company was yeah. all about the staff. Yeah, it really but not was. just the staff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the knock-on effect to your partners, your children, your family. Definitely. So I had my surgery on the 16th of December which was just life-changing because I suddenly had this light at the end of the tunnel. But in the meanwhile, I had to share the news with family. We we are the only family here. So we're talking needing to share it with my brother. I'll never forget that, FaceTiming him to say, you're going to have to tell mum because I can't just call her on a landline. And my brother, and this was pre any appointments just the first diagnosis my brother saying oh my god are you gonna die and I I said honestly Joy, I don't know I've just been told I've got cancer this is the where we always go the words cancer and dying Dying. come together it's true time and time again it's why actually where I first was very guarded Mm -hmm. especially sharing the news especially through social media for me Mm -hmm. I didn't want friends and family panicking in the UK because no one knew us here because that's where we go isn't it we still do I share my story as a story of positivity in the same way as I share my story of IVF and seven attempts and finally hitting the jackpot that actually the care is there Mm -hmm. the support network is there 
Yeah. A lot of it is mindset, a big part of it. You have to go through all the emotion. Yeah. And I said, George, I don't know, but as soon as I know what this is all about, I said, I have told you on this day, which is basically was the next day after I had the news. So he shared it with my mum. So when my brother was fearful, loss coming into his mind, my mum, and she's always been so strong, she was stoic about it, obviously emotional, Mm -hmm. couldn't believe that this was her daughter, couldn't believe it, but immediately offered to come over. Now, this this was a big trip. The mother in her 70s had never done long haul. I'm from a Greek family, so... (laughs) When we say, you know, England has a few inches of snow and everything closes down, she would never believe that she was going to arrive in a country, and especially that year where we had mounds of snow. Right. 2016, going into 2017. But she arrived, (laughs) fresh face, like she had just done long long haul, and she took care of our family in a way that, honestly, I couldn't even make a cup of tea. (laughs) Katarina, sit down. (laughs) Yeah. I just what love every single time. Yeah. You, You've met her. No. Yeah, and I've met her, and she's lovely. But every time, I, it's just I just love it. It's yeah. just a yes, lovely woman for sure. But knowing now too, with having met her, that is definitely her spirit, and she's just very much. A, no, I will do this for you. Yeah. You need to sit down, uh, honestly, and, and do what you're told. Yeah. And honestly, if there's one yeah. thing to be said about my mother, if you don't keep her busy, then she's just gonna pack her bags and go. So actually, you know, she was in the best place ever honestly yeah honestly and I think I'm going more like that myself I know yeah so mum arrived on the 13th of December on the day of the surgery she took the kids to school Mm -hmm. thankfully they kept me in overnight that they didn't want to I said I'm sorry but I said I'm not good after anesthetic I am really not good yeah did you yes I have been very ill I have had been bedridden for days yes I said and you don't know me I said I need to be looked after. Right. Good for you. All hundred percent. I've always said advocate, 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 because we are, we know our bodies best. Yes. We know our needs best. Right. So if we communicate and they're doing what they know they need to do from their day to day, but they don't know the personal stories and the personal situations. Right. Good for you. And they listened. I can't say they were the best prepared. When you go through a surgery like that, you literally do not eat for three days. You are completely emptied. Before I went in for surgery, I suddenly became very nauseated, which was obviously nerves. But for me, it also would have just been this completely starving stomach. And when I woke from surgery, I said, I really need to eat something. And because they really are not prepared to have you overnight, it was dry crackers now i've been oh, intubated god yeah and some cheese i mean honestly everything stuck at the roof of my yeah. mouth for some... <laughs> i was like but it's some food you know you... but that's how please give us they some... yeah they said yes we'll keep you overnight but chocolate pudding please <laughs> i know honestly just just something just that something, has more moisture it's honestly gonna put some moisture in so my mouth true. you know from this whole yeah. drying experience it's true yeah but yeah. We got through it. My husband picked me up. I was in a lot of pain. We went to get, obviously, quite heavy-duty medications. But we got through it. The family were just there. They FaceTimed as much as they could. They wanted to see me. We did, I think, at that point, just put a subtle sort of Facebook posting just to say, Cat's at home. She's doing all well. Everyone knew. And those that hadn't known in advance 
at least then knew something was happening, but I was fine. I didn't want to share like that. So I think there was a certain amount of guardedness for myself, guardedness for those that I love and keep close to me. Mm -hmm. That was how I dealt with it at that point. I think that that's true is everybody has a different way of dealing with how they want to reveal that information. But as you said, coming to that where you had personally shared with family in a more intimate way, personal way as best as you could given the distance but then being able to share on social media that you had come home and you were recovering I think that's where social media is good (laughs) we can use it for good in those methods right at that point a lot of people did know what was going on so obviously that date would have been marked in their minds yeah so yeah what was Gary going to do come back and individually text everyone right it it was a sort of blanket yeah For some people, they would have been reading Cat's home and she's okay. What's going on? So if they were were then going to reach out to me, that was wonderful. And I think that's honestly what did happen Mm -hmm. for the family. Even after the surgery, there was probably just a certain level of, God, I feel useless. I'm here and she's there. That probably was the hardest part. I had my mum with me and I'll be ever grateful for that because otherwise I still would have been just me. Yep. Gary and the kids because even at that stage you're mm-hmm. a few months in to a mm-hmm. new life in a new country oh. you don't have the friends and honestly I think a big part of it is it's just that sort of I don't want to trouble people everyone's got <laughs> everyone's got their own it's true yeah we, we, we tend to do that but so you, you do you tend yeah. to be like, oh, you, know. you don't want to burden people yeah, right absolutely but I think the irony is I so I remember thinking about this with my own journey and the first particular diagnosis. I was a little bit more hesitant, and now of course work found out <laughs> fairly quickly because I had to relay that I was going on leave for the surgery. But I think what I realized was that, like you just said, is it, the the ability to inform multiple people that are in your network that you're doing okay, like you are home and you're recovering. It made me realize that here is a good platform to be able to allow people to follow along in your journey and to be able to say, oh, they're doing okay. And therefore, you don't feel like you're burdening them because they have the capability of seeing that or not or engaging or not. But then you feel like you've been able to share that in your network. And and it does feel like I've got a good network of people following me. Because from Mm -hmm. the love and the support and the messages. right? I remember yeah. just gifts arriving in the post from <laughs> yeah. friends in the UK. All the food too, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe and not from the UK. Some goodies, actually. Oh, well, yeah, it's true. obviously close yes. to Christmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah so then wonderful. you would have gotten, oh, that would be um, lovely. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that happened, and, and doesn't happen so much now, but none of us have the time I had then, mm-hmm. people actively making time to FaceTime me friends yeah. that were just regular contacts. But and that's like, intentional, right? Because yeah. I think, I know you oh, just yeah. said nobody seems to have the time, but really we make the time, yes. right? So oh, we make it intentional. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. So no, absolutely. I like think, now it would yeah. be difficult, but I'm not yeah. in this sort of desperate situation. Then I was, and honestly, right. that level of support coming through was yeah. just like, I want to connect with you and yeah. you know, we can FaceTime. And I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, I hadn't really thought of that. Right. Because I was yeah. new to being an immigrant. So yeah. never had <laughs> you to didn't really FaceTime have to like, yeah, before, exactly. you know. I'm just going That's to see true. someone, pick up the phone, yeah. meet for a coffee. Yeah. But obviously with my main network of friends still yeah. being UK-based, yeah. it was like, That's true. oh my 
goodness, this is wonderful. Technology is great. It really can be very, very positive thing for sure. The support coming through came through like that. And that that was wonderful. That took away some of the lonely feeling because obviously I was pretty much home ridden mm-hmm. to go through a surgery like that through yes. the harsh winter months as well do I want to walk out do I want to slip although as as soon as I got mobile I took myself out daily I think my mum was just a Good little for bit you. but I said I need to get back to walking I mean yeah. it was difficult at first there was pain I wasn't very fast you know I was obviously very <laughs> conscious of what had gone on internally and that's part of the problem of a surgery like that I had it a robotic surgery so the outside scarring was very tiny to the point that I was reminded everything is on the inside don't be just lifting the laundry basket because you think that you can because you're going to soon know you can't the weird thing was I did have a little bit of a scare it was New Year's Day that I had a scare because and it's imprinted on my mind the kids were going for their first ever ski lesson so it was a big occasion and it was New Year's Day and we were all in bed at like 9 30 on New Year's Eve nice And I woke up that morning and I went to the toilet Mm -hmm. and there was blood. Oh my goodness, yeah. And um, I came down and and so that fear thing again, you know, was in the back of my mind, what's going on here? And I came down and I I said to mum and I said to Gary, I just want you to know, but don't make a big deal of it. (laughs) I've had some blood. (gasps) Katerina, get to bed, get to bed now. And I said, no, I said, I don't want to. I said, right. I can monitor this and right. I will reach out yeah. to someone at the hospital. Yeah. Well, I didn't speak to anyone at the hospital knew what year's day. No one answered. If there was cover, then it was obviously very minimal. Oh, yeah. It was for real emergencies. Yeah. And in my mind, I thought, okay, am I being irresponsible? We're going up to Pakenham, but all I'm going to do is sit in a warm room and I'm going to monitor myself. Yeah, good and for you. And if suddenly yeah. it becomes more than a bleed. Yeah. Then that's then I'll take action on I'm that. Yeah. Nine one one and I'm and I'm off to, what yeah. else was I gonna do? So yeah. I said, please don't fill my head with more fear than I'm fearing because right. actually I need to put a positive on this because yes. this is a big day for my children. Yeah. Big day for me. I took myself off. They put me in the front seat, strapped me in, and we all <laughs> went to the we all went to the slopes. Wonderful. Kids had a wonderful hour lesson, yeah. came back home monitored it and thankfully it had abated speaking then with the consultant probably the next day he said it part of that actually possibly is just you've done too much and I said I'm barely doing anything and possibly some of it is the scar part of it just sort of settling down and then you've just got this release that he said but if it's slow down and you're okay and I was like I am another stage of having to deal with a cancer surgery Mm -hmm. And then you face then the next five years of the what ifs. I was just going to ask about that because that is definitely something I think no matter what, even if you do the mindset work and you're in a more positive mindset, you're still prone because we're human. So we're prone to going to some what if scenarios and some of those thoughts I speak to a lot finding the the validation in those feelings of some fear and how do we feel the fear feelings and then we can move forward from that but it's not like we just sweep that under a carpet no. we no. acknowledge it yeah. say okay so this is happening i'm having a bit of fear here let's walk through this yeah. in our mind i think it's always going to be somewhat there for all of us that have gone through our journeys 
the difference is how we walk through those scenarios. A hundred percent, Jen. I mean, mm-hmm. you come through that surgery, but then you realize the repercussions of being yeah. someone that's had yeah. cancer. Yeah. And you realize for those next five years, and I yeah. will never take from the care that I received. Yeah. I was monitored very closely. Amazing. Because my cancer had developed into a grade two mm-hmm. by the time I had the surgery. So we're only talking... Yeah, that's very, very quick. Very quick. Which is why he said, yeah. if we're leaving that surgery till Touch. mid-January, yeah. then yeah. you're going to be a grade three, grade four. Wow. Slow yeah. grow, fast once it takes. So right, right. It was endometrial and then it had penetrated the muscle, essentially. So from there, if it had gone further, then you're talking into the body. That's how I understood it. But it being the full hysterectomy at that stage, and because it had penetrated the muscle, I I didn't need chemo. I went to see a radiologist and he said, yes, I can do some. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to tell you now that I'm probably going to do more damage longer term to your body Mm. than eradicating what isn't really there because all we're going to be doing is treating the tissue around. So from there, he said, you will be monitored. So I was back with my first gynae doctor who monitored me. I had an internal every six months and for the first few years, a CAT scan every six months. Wonderful. And thereafter, yearly Mm -hmm. to the point that five years, which is um, two years ago now, actually, uh, he said, "Okay, I'm going to see you yearly now, Mm -hmm. but let's not be fearful. It's hard not to be fearful. It's hard. Yeah. Not to, in the back of your mind, uh, I had a terrible back incident a year after my surgery to the point that they took it so seriously that they sent me for an MRI because mm-hmm. it was all in that same area right. where I had obviously had experiences of pain because of the cancer. I don't want going forward fear to be part of my life. It's not me. Positive mental attitude is very much what I'm about. And actually building resilience and building confidence. So... When I say resilience and confidence, I think where I did take a real knock was coming back into the workforce. Mm. Um, Weirdly, it was akin to me coming back after maternity leave. My mind's fuzzled. I'm not had enough sleep. I'm still looking after the babies through the night. Am I ever going to be able to work again and do a decent job? And, (laughs) And I came out of my journey feeling like that because the emotions were just still so raw and... Mm -hmm. This is for a few years afterwards. Um, You know, is it going to come back? Is it going to occur somewhere else? Once you've had a full hysterectomy, you're not going to get endometrial cancer. I think for probably a number of months, it was like, why me? Why me when you told me this is a cancer that actually normally hits women well into their menopause? And a lot of that happened after the cancer was out. I would revisit it. This March uh, coming, I've been three years on my current job. I always feel that and, and my manager knows, the manager that employed me, um, there's just a sense of gratitude towards her. She looked at my resume, saw what I had done, realised why I had taken extended time off. Mm-hmm. And I, I had other jobs and one job that had actually kept me employed for about a year and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. but gave me the chance. And yeah. it's quite weird. She recently swapped branches. I wrote to her and I said, you were the one that always gave me the chance. And she said... 
I never saw that in you. She said, I never saw that you needed to have a chance. She just said, I, I just saw you. Oh, see, that's lovely. Yeah. So weirdly in my mindset and in how I felt I was coming over, yeah. I must have felt like I was coming over desperate. I must have felt like I was <laughs> coming over to say, please say. And that was refreshing because I thought, well, obviously I portray a lot mm-hmm. more confidence yeah. and positive attitude mm-hmm. than how I was your internal feeling. narratives are not what no, the external exactly. narratives are exactly. right yeah yeah which I 100% feel I like yeah. that is 99.9% of our struggles I think is the internal narratives that really people see us so much differently than we see ourselves oh very you know? much so so that's yeah. why in my work I'm able to connect mm-hmm. very well mm-hmm. with my clients mm-hmm. A big part of it is because of mental health, mm-hmm. physical health journey, mm-hmm. yeah. that it allows me to always be empathetic, sympathise, understand, relay, be able to actually advise as well. Mm-hmm. And I've learnt so much more of that through my IVF journey yeah. and understanding that in the end it did work and yeah. all that pain I went through and all that loss. And then soon after coming through a cancer journey, realising that these things for a time crush you, but if you really want, you're going to come through it. You can empower yourself. I remember at one phase of my journey, somebody reaching out to me and saying, I wish my mother, who's going through lung cancer, had the same mental fortitude and positive mindset that you seem to be experiencing and I I can't imagine what your internal situation is and what is going on there but when you express that you've got this and you're going to do everything in your power it is a mindset and that even if you do have a prognosis that is not ideal there are studies shown that people have been capable of prolonging their prognosis through choice of mindset and what they do and how they respond It just amazes me. That's why I decided to take this role on, to take this journey and ask fellow journeyers to share their story because I just felt like it would really help others to see that they have a voice as well. And not only a voice, but they have the power within themselves to create a positive mindset and a healthier body because of that. And I just find it so fascinating. I just find it so fantastic. But, But that brings me on to you, Jen. Let's not forget, Jen, that you and I met just months after my cancer mm-hmm. surgery. Yes, I do An remember that. My dear shop. husband. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. I always remember that coffee date at Quitters. Oh I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. I remember facing you mm-hmm. and feeling for the first time since I'd gone through all of this that here was you, Jen. Not just being able to relate to what I'd gone through but me looking at you saying how is this woman sitting here in front of me oh honey so strong you gave me cry <laughs> no so just so able so positive now little did I know and maybe you at that stage of what that journey was going to do for you and what you're now going to bring to, I hope, hundreds of thousands 
millions of people. That's my goal. You know, <laughs> because yeah. you didn't just do it once, you did it twice. Mm-hmm. And on your second time, Jen, to share what you did with me, it didn't make my cancer any smaller, but it made me realise actually you come through this because you want to, mm-hmm. because you have to, because mm-hmm. you need to. Yeah. But you come through this always because you do want to. Yeah. You do want to. Yeah. And so if you want to, yes, you put everything in place yeah. to make sure you come through that. Yeah. And that's why, Jen, my heart goes to you for where you put me on that those first meetings to say, look what you've come through and look what you're able to put out there to show. And you definitely cement the message that I have to myself, which is that which does not break you makes you stronger. Oh, yes. Hands down. (laughs) So thank you, Jen. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. If you hadn't shared in the way that you did and in, in the way that you now want to with your business, now want to with your coaching, now want to with your insight Mm -hmm. and everything that you're doing to put you in the right place to be able to give this future guidance you know yeah i potentially would still be sitting there reeling and thinking what's this all about why me right how do you get through it what's next yeah yeah my goodness well thank you i am uh, thank you i'm so honored that you were willing to share today there's certain aspects of your story that either I didn't recall because memory's not always the best after <laughs> a certain age and <laughs> going through what we've gone through obviously but I know that you shared some more intimate details today and I'm just so grateful thank you so much this is honestly I think this is where I'm most I vibrate with excitement about this this type of avenue i really truly believe more people more individuals are going to come to healing in this community so it's a community of sharing and being vulnerable with one another and being completely able to heal to find healing with one another which is why at the start guarded not wanting to share not wanting to trouble but life in the last seven years has actually made me realize that to share is not to offload but to share is to actually bring some light to other yeah, people definitely you know definitely i love that it's a beautiful way of putting it yeah. so so thank you so much for today i really appreciate it we'll yes, sign off well. for now and yeah. um thank you again <laughs> that concludes today's episode a big thank you to my guest cat for revealing her story and showing up for all of you in this space consider visiting farfromfear-coaching.com to subscribe to my website. And remember, you're not alone on this cancer journey and there's healing in revealing.